spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I have a dream that at moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I have dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins where it all came from since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Label Hi, it's Andy M from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning of the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish i am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable to me to keep the running costs this podcast going and enjoy take care bye-bye spoken label hi guys andy ed spoken label back in the house on a sunday night um a sun i was there there's a sunny day it's not it's been snowing all day and it's been we've had a good couple of inches come down around here today which makes it and i've been moaning around it all day to my wife amanda the gentleman is with me today, he only lives up the road in Marple, and his dead name is Philip Carter, he's a lovely guy. I met him through Ruth, Amanda's best mate, who does obviously all FM and radio, and brilliant, great guy, and he lives in Marple, and anyone who knows Marple, which is on the outskirts of Stockport Way into the hills, that day there's much higher, but they get a lot of snow. So Philip, have you had a lot of snow up your way today in Marple? Uh, we have had a lot, yeah. I- I've loved it. I've not seen this much snow since I was little, so I've been t- I've been taking my Lego out and taking photos of them in the snow. <laughs> Good <laughs> great. Man. Good man. It's got to be done when you're doing stuff like that. You've got to do it. It's, we've had a fair whack on the back of the car park where we are, but it's nothing not worth going out and messing around with it, so we've both just stayed in and kept warm today. Now, obviously, Philip, we're here to tell you all about you and your creativity. Now, for people who don't know you, obviously, I know originally you weren't originally from, you're not originally from Marple, are you? So... So tell us a, a bit about your background and what led you into your creativity when you were younger. We'll start. Yeah, so I'm originally from Stockport. So, you know, Marple's in Stockport, but I was nearer the centre. And I've, I've gradually clawed my way out towards Marple. Um, I'm still going to be scraping, still clawing towards the next destination. But my creativity, I started off as a poet when I was about five years old, writing poems for my little brother. Oh, five. I mean, that's, yeah. that, is, that is an early start. And somehow convinced myself that I wasn't ever going to become a writer until I got a degree in writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to... <laughs> I remember I went to the pub with one of my tutors and he got me to uh, re- recite the poem that I wrote when I was five years old, which I'm not going to do now. No, don't, we're not that cruel. Because I, dr- I drank enough to forget it afterwards. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed forgetting that poem twice over my life. Um, and then I decided inexplicably to become a science fiction author as well. And yeah. not just a sci-fi author, but I, I thought science fiction needs to be funnier. I wanted science fiction to have a sort of dark sense of humour. So I've been trying to mix all three of those things together. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, interesting. Now, obviously, that being the case, and then is there any writers that first led you down this path then, wanting to do more comedy sci-fi? Um, yeah, Frankie Boyle, and watching interviews with David Bowie because David Bowie had a fantastic sense of humour in interviews. Oh, brilliant guy! Yeah. Um, yeah. I just thought, you know, he wasn't just a musician. He was somebody who was playing the part of a musician because it was artistically efficient at the time. So if, if it would have suited him to turn one of his ideas into a chair, I imagine he would have become a carpenter. It's like people see him as a musician, but he was all these other things as well. He was a painter. Um, he, he, you know, he organised quite a large art hoax at one point, which I don't know much about, but I know he pretended to be a f- very famous dead painter for a number of years. Oh, yeah, I've read about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've read about that. So he that. got a lot of stuff from them. So that inspires me. And, yeah, Frankie Boyle as well, Gary Newman. Um, and I can't name any specific science fiction writers, but I've got a lot of, you know, 1950s books where it's there's a short story by about 400 different writers all in one book. Wow. <laughs> wow, we yeah. have got... My dad's like that. My, dad, my dad's like, he's at one and two's 80s now. And he loves these big old sci-fi anthologies because and also detective ones as well. And I ended up getting a load for him for his birthday a few weeks ago. And yeah, for his Kindle. Oh god, yeah. You can get him, you can get him if you look around. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Now, obviously yourself then, obviously. I know today then you've printed you've done one book and there's another book that's been serialized as well on Wattpad. So obviously then I think we should really talk about your books first of all today then. Now, obviously, your your first book then being who built the humans? Now, tell us about this then. So, um, for who built the humans? At the time, I was writing the other book, which I'll talk about after, and that's because I don't really operate on a normal time scale. It sort of it wound up being backwards. So, I finished the book, The Stephanie Glitch, sat down, read it, and thought I need to be a better writer before I can properly realise the story that I've wrote. Even though it was complete, I thought I need to chisel it. I need to attack her universe from the outside. So I started writing short stories based on her universe that she was in. And then that very quickly became something that I thought, oh, maybe this could be a leaflet of free stories I distribute around Manchester. But then within about another 14 days, I'd realised, actually, this is going to turn into quite a hefty book. I'll pour all of my resources into that. So it's really, um, it's like my serious and also satirical approach to the question who built the humans so there's 47 short stories in the book but they all actually come together in subtle ways so it's also simultaneously a novel um which is weird and very hard it's nightmarish to advertise to people oh it's an anthology but it's also a novel people's heads just explode yeah it's, it's unusual to read it's unusual yeah. for sure now obviously with it been things like that I've got a short story collection on my popular next year, the year after, and I know how long that's going to take me to write. With this, then, obviously, 47 short stories, how was it quite a difficult one to map out this end? Because obviously, like, if you're doing a novel, you often go to A to B to whatever, don't you? Yeah. This is like you're doing A, X, D on each short story, isn't it? So. Yeah, so it's um, they were split into 11 universes, so the 47 Oof. chapters only happen in 11 universes. So there's a really satirical, silly one by, uh, uh, about a little boy called God who is, who's been named God because his mum's not got any imagination at all, so she just decided to name him God. And he eventually, obviously, develops a God complex because of that. He later decides that he wrote the book and that he tries to escape the book near the end of it. 
But then on another page, there's a very serious story about alien abductions and what they might mean if they're real. So it's like mapping those out was actually the hardest part. Writing the book itself only took about four, six months. And then an extra six months of development was, right, I know how these stories work. How do I make it fun for other people to read instead of just difficult? So, so you have to, you have to, um, I printed off the titles of each story and decided what order to put them in so that if somebody read the book from front to back, it would make perfect sense, be an easy read. But also if somebody read each universe one at a time, it would still be an easy read. So I, I've had people comment about it saying that they've, enjoyed it and it was one of the best novels that I've ever read and somebody else said I really enjoyed this short story collection and it's technically both depending on which way you read it and it was that's that was the immense technical challenge is making it work as two things and somebody told me it wasn't possible unfortunately for them I'm operated mainly on spite so I I decided to prove it was possible <laughs> no I don't I don't believe you're great on spite right bit awkward <laughs> bit awkward maybe that, that's called I was called Ben Mancunian and Stockport based on, yeah. I think he makes it very stubborn, but not spite, never. <laughs> but no, if somebody tells me something's not possible, I'm like, right, I'm going to make this possible in the next week. <laughs> oh, never. I don't believe a word. I don't believe a word of you, young man. <laughs> now, obviously, um, obviously, said before, the other book that she's been serialized in Monk and Wattpad, then that was wrote before this, before you did this book, then, wasn't it? So, yeah. Stephanie wrote, Glitch. Um, yeah. Now, 2016. Oh, was it really? Wow. So, yeah. So, what made you then obviously want to serialize this book, first of all? Then? Well, I was at university at the time studying a master's degree in creative writing. And I, I basically had trained myself to believe, you know, traditional publishing is the only way forward. It's the only way my story will get recognized. And I spoke to a few people and I spoke to an editor or two. And I realized that there were some strange parts of Stephanie's story that a lot of people wanted to like be into a different shape because she's an aspiring poet in the book. Um, and the <clears> inciting <throat> incident is that she dies. I make no secret of that. It's in the synopsis, so it's not a spoiler. But she does come back. And that's the main story. She's trying to work out why have I been protected by this future society of humans? What's going on in the universe? Why am I important? why did I get to live and everybody else in my universe didn't kind of thing. So that ties into the multiverse aspects of who built humans. So for me, the, the main choice to serialize it was because while she's on that sort of Alice in Wonderland kind of discovery going from universe to universe, trying to work out who she is, it was quite easy to break the book into those large chunks, but also to get feedback, um, <laughs> you know, seriously, it's, it's a good way to get free feedback. If you put a story on Wattpad, just don't put the whole thing on, put 75% of it on and then charge people for the other 25%. Like it, like it. <laughs> good <Yeah>. man. <coughs> good man. Now, obviously then, uh, then obviously, like you said, it's obviously, you said that was in 2016. So, yeah. yeah so, so you're obviously now, because obviously this book will be coming out then basically, won't it at a later date then I'm guessing. Is that your yeah. plan for the future with this book then, is it? I'm planning for it to come out in hardback, ebook, and maybe audiobook. Um, actually, yeah, audiobook by July 2022. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's basically finished now. The only reason I'm a bit slow with uploading the uh, chapters online is that sometimes I'll change my my mind about a little bit of dialogue. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, 
but yeah, it's just basically finished. I mean, I technically finished it in 2016, but I didn't. I wasn't a fan of how it was written. So yeah, I've been I've been rewriting it from scratch since. Yeah, yeah, I've always believed. I think with books, some and obviously, I know you've got there's other project books you've got in mind, and I'm always a believer with some books. Some books are more easier to finish off than others. I know I've done books myself, and and you said already the, the second book out or second book without your short story one. Who built humans? Who was just technically the first published one? That was wrote much quicker. So, so did you find then? Obviously, with that first book, then has been serialized. When you got to doing your short story book, it was a different process altogether for you, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was very refreshing because for a few years I've been not so much stuck on the Stephanie glitch, but I I wanted her to come across a certain way. And I realized that I'd sort of written myself into a corner and I wanted to know more about her and more about the end to the book because the end is pretty weird for the Stephanie glitch. I'm not going to spoil it, but I thought I'm going to need a few years away from this to go back and look at it objectively to see if I've not made any mistakes. Uh, you know, like continue to continuity errors, that kind of thing. So I had like a friend editor as well. So yeah, writing Who Built the Humans was an entirely different process because it was very easy um, at first. And then when I realised some of the stories would link up together, I thought, actually, this could become a novel as well. So it was more, it came across as a short story collection where mm. characters and concepts would jump between universes and that's how they were tied together. So it was more, it felt like a more organic process than rewriting a novel from scratch. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I can believe it. I think it does it, son. I, mean, I always believe when you've got your first book out of the way, whether you publish it or not, the second one is a different beast. And I intended, well, my, in my case, it wasn't, but it's usually a lot easier to write. And then obviously, when you move, you move more ahead of yourself, then it comes even easier, definitely. So now, uh, we'll come on to, I know you've got other books in mind. You've been hinting at them already to me. So we'll come on to that in a moment. But there's a few. You're, what I like about you, you Philip, is, is the fact that you've got quite a few. You do quite a few bits and pieces. I want to ask you about these first of all as well. Like I know you're running your own podcast at the moment as well, aren't you? Paisley Print yeah. Author. Now, yeah, that's a lot of fun. Oh, I love podcasting. People can guess me because, like, when I like doing this one, I like doing my own by myself sometimes as well. So tell us about what made you want to do your own podcast. Well, that was, I have to thank my American followers on Instagram for that. I mean, repeatedly, it got to a point where it was like once a week, somebody would message me and say, oh my God, I love your voice. You should do a podcast or do like a relaxation thing. You know, that ASMR audio therapy that people do on YouTube where they just listen mm. to people talking. So I got told to do that and I thought, you know what, I'm going to give it a go. And I've got like hundreds of poems that I could read out. I've basically got material that I could use for years. Um, and some of them, they sound good on a podcast, but I don't think they're good enough to be printed into a book. So it's nice that they fill that kind of thing because like the shape of a story or a poem changes where I want to put it. So some stuff I would only publish as an ebook, some stuff I'd put in print. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just a manifestation of that creative process. Some stuff just works better in yeah. an audio format. Yeah, no, I've got I've got poems like that and short stories as well. Some are designed to be performed, and it's yeah. it's been been just performed and just read. Sometimes you do get some like good crossovers, but I know what you mean completely. That oh, good stuff, man. Good stuff. So that definitely. So on your podcast, then obviously, uh, do you have do you, do you have any set mind when you actually put episodes up, or is it 
as and when all the time, basically, is it for you? Um, I've been trying to do it once a week. You've probably noticed that there's been a, a, a break of a few weeks as like the Hubilty Human stuff has sort of taken off and taken a, up a load of my time. So I'm working on my time management at the moment. So I could spend, instead of doing it one week, I wound up just designing a new set of bookmarks to send to people. Uh, but yeah, I'm hoping to get back into it once a week, having guests on. And the general formula for that is going to be, I'll find like a science article and then invite a guest and we can argue about what the implications of this science article are for humanity. Yeah, cool. Now, obviously, if people want to get in contact with you regarding the podcast, and we'll give you contact details out in a bit, what sort of guest are you looking for for these pod- this podcast? Um, oh, anyone, really. I'm, ideally, I mean, if I was going to be picky, I'd quite like to talk to anybody who's ever been called a conspiracy theorist because... You know, you're just going to be fun to talk to, even if I disagree with you. We can get along. Um, I know, I know, a few people who do that. And I hope yeah, yeah, people who may or may not have been abducted by aliens. The aliens who have abducted those people. Um, someone, ideally, people with a sense of humour, because I will poke fun at everything. Um, that's the best way to be, mate. So I it do. needs to be bounced back because, as a writer, you've got to keep your ego in check. So I'd need to have guests who could say, "Actually, no, shut up. I'm talking now." <laughs> Ooh, up, virtual punch up, as I was saying. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's entertaining, isn't it? And oh yeah, completely. I mean, that's, anyone, that's anyone might have guessed at me. I'm more. I am. It's ironic, actually. My writing. I'm dead. Right, my writing. You're the same, Philip. I know straight away. Is my writing is probably the only serious thing about me. Everything else, I'm the most, one of the most unserious people going. Oh, yeah. We're Especially to be, we don't crack us otherwise. So, right, okay, on otherwise, I know as well, obviously, um, you've got, I want to ask you about, I'm trying to find it now. There was a, I came across a blog that you're doing as well. I can't I think I've, I can't seem to find the page now. That's it there. Your Paisley or Paisley print author substack.com so tell us a bit about that next time where the idea for this came from oh good you found the only blog that i still use that's convenient well if you're not using it you've already to stop using it because the last post is the 21st of november <laughs> no yeah yeah i really enjoy substack for for a number of years maybe about 10 years now i've been looking for somewhere to blog and i've Try Blogger, Blogspot, Patreon, and I've just not got not really gelled with them. But yeah, Substack's good. It's not um, one I've not one I've heard of Substack before. Which I must have it's, it's really good. there's like a monetization option for it, but I'm I'm just not interested. I like just saying stuff to people for free. Mm. Um, but like what I talk about on there tends to be what I've been up to for the week. So on Twitter, I have the hashtag WBTH Diary, which is Who Built the Humans Diary. I'm um, trying within 365 days to basically, quote unquote, make, make it in America. I'm on about day 170 at the moment. I've not yet been to America, but it's going okay so far. Um, yeah, so I'm doing that. And basically the Substack is a longer version of that. So I'll be telling people, you know, what I've learned from my degrees in creative writing, sort of getting into a bit of online teaching, you know, how to add foreshadowing into a story how to add extra details to characters without just listing them. Because I know a lot of like amateur and beginner writers, when you start off, you think, right, so my character likes lemon, lemons and she likes oranges. So it's like, Julia likes lemons and oranges and she has long hair and she has 
big legs and she lives in a house and the house has four bedrooms and it goes on like that for about 50 pages and nobody cares but my my uh, advice for that would then be you get those details and you sort of scatter them throughout the story so it's like there's writing advice which is quite basic but useful for a lot of people really and then there's jokes on top of that as well so if i'm trying out like a new joke or a new poem it'll be on there the first draft for people to beat into shape and comment on and trying to start debates as well because you can you can make discussion posts where people can just see it in their inbox and comment which i think thinks really enjoyable so i'll be asking people questions about stuff on there too no cool cool it's also i've, I've read reading your blog before no very informative and i find it very fun very fun blog indeed so right yes. uh, the the one thing that caught me out before about you was and we could link this into your plans or what you got planned next, really. Because I know you, I, it surprised me when I found this one out. I want to do my research about you and Comic Con 2022. Oh, yeah. Yeah, tell us about that then. So, my publishing company that I've published Who Built the Humans under is called Half Planet Press. And by the time this podcast goes out, I'll have signed the first publishing contract with somebody who isn't just me in disguise. So <laughs> as, as we've got another author on board and not me in a dress, which has happened previously, um, I won't say which publisher and which pen name that was, but one of them is me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Half Planet Press, I thought we need a bookstore. I want to make a physical bookstore. Where's the best place to sell science fiction? Where do all the nerds go? Comic-Con. So I've booked a table at Comic-Con next year um, and we'll be selling science fiction memorabilia, sci-fi books, vintage paperbacks. And by vintage, I mean pre-1970s science fiction and fantasy paperbacks. Fantastic. Um, oh, I love the old sci-fi. Yeah. I'm, I'm of the generation. That grew, now, I, oh, God, yeah. God, I grew up reading a lot of that stuff on as well. I'm nearly 50. Back in the early yeah. 80s and late 70s, I grew up, I was reading all of it and some of it um, you won't get away with writing nowadays, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I'll try my best. <laughs> oh, good luck, good luck. That's all I'm gonna say, mate. No, brilliant. Now, obviously, you obviously, like I said, with Comic Con, now there's obviously, yeah, he definitely it's a fantastic idea if he's on the go for it. Good luck, definitely with that. So, now, obviously, tell us a bit more about your publishing housing because I wanted to go and go into that next anyway, and you've kind of hinted on it anyway already. So, yeah, so, um. Half Planet Press started when I was at university um, because I realised that a lot of the people that I was working with were very talented, but they were becoming a bit disenfranchised with, you know, traditional publishing, sending stuff to the big publishing houses. Um, and to people who are more risk averse, you know, people who are more like into marketing than writing, typically they, they'll, they will want books which are similar to the one which was recently a bestseller. Whereas I don't tend to give a damn. So, so, so the um, the slogan for Half Planet Press is um, "Independent Publisher of the Weird and Interesting," and the emphasis is on weird. So, the next author we've got on has written a young adult um, horror book about. I, I, you know what? I can't spoil that much because of the way the contract is at the moment. But it's a, there's there's some trees in it, and the trees might be evil. But I can't confirm whether or not the trees are evil. But there are trees in it that have eyes. So, you know, you make your own judgment on that. So, yeah, it's, it is interesting. It's good to have a very small publishing house. We don't even have a website yet because 
I get enough messages on Instagram to feel inundated. Oh, <laughs> so, bet you do. Yeah. So people have said, why don't you have a website? I was like, because I can't have everybody in India and France messaging me, maybe just half of them. <laughs> It's very oh. strange because I thought I thought I was relatively unknown, but people just appear in your inbox, don't they? Oh, blimey. I know somebody, and I'm not going to name them, that actually was living in the next town up from you. So, should we say, and I know when she started her publishing house off, she she basically she get, got so much random stuff come through, you wouldn't believe it. And that was on within the first two, three days setting the website up. And I and throughout state we stated quite clearly what you want. People don't listen to you as well. So no, I mean my trick, and I recommend this to any very small presses, is my trick is I said not open for submissions on Instagram. Yeah, well that doesn't stop people. Don't stop people. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason I'm publishing the offer I'm publishing now is because she read that and she messaged me anyway. And she was like, Do you want to just check out my story? And she wasn't looking for publication, but I loved the story. So I thought, okay. I guess we are open for submission <coughs> for you and you only. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I agree with you, there, mate. No, good stuff, mate, with that, definitely. So, now, obviously, um, I don't know how much you could actually say on on in a public forum, but tell us about what plans you can reveal otherwise for your press at the moment, even in the next year, because I know, and obviously, I don't, I've not got names on these. I know you've got other books in mind at the moment, haven't you, mm. as well? Yeah, I'll be I'll be publishing a few poets. Um, I've not found them yet, but I know people are interested. But I'll be publishing a few of my own poetry books first. Um, that's typically just so I can test it out. So if I make any terrible errors, I, nobody else has to suffer for it. Which is why I published Who Built the Humans first because I thought if I mess this up, I, I don't owe anybody any money apart from myself. <laughs> So yeah, I'll be testing poetry out, and in the distant future, um, I'd like to get a you know recording studio so we can do audio books that kind of thing. Um, somebody was talking to me the other week about setting up a sort of joint mixed media thing like a record label, which would be really cool. Um, so yeah, a lot of plan. There's a lot of plans floating around in the air. I've not harpooned any of them yet. I don't know which ones to pick. Oh. Good luck, mate. Definitely, you're that sort of guy. That's why, that's why I want to talk to you today, really, because we're quite sort of both sense of both got our fingers an awful lot of pies at the moment as well, mm. and that's why sometimes it's where where the lay of the land goes next. Sometimes, doesn't it, really? So, so I get you. No, good luck, mate. Definitely, that's so all. Look forward, look forward to hearing what plans you got for the future and that one. Definitely, so now. Well, that's pretty well covered all my questions today, anyway. But the last thing I want to touch on you today is about Lego. But you touched on this before, and I can see it on your several bits of your media, should we say, about your yes. love of Lego. So tell us a bit about that then to conclude before we go into all the links and stuff. Yeah, because you've got me on the webcam right now in the past, according yeah. to the list. And then we'll and see it in the background. There's loads of Lego. in the background, yeah. yeah. That's what I want to talk about your love of Lego, love of Lego, because I know it's in your website as well. So, <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I've, I've loved Lego since I was a little kid. Like one of the first things I remember doing that my parents were like really proud of is um, I watched the Discovery Channel documentary when I was like eight years old and there was a robot hand. So somebody had like a prosthetic hand and I went upstairs and just built a replica out of Lego that worked. Wow. And my parents were like, how have you managed that? And like, I must have had a head injury since because I don't know if I could do it now. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really enjoy playing with Lego. It's, it's a great way to keep your creativity going. 
Um, and I did briefly, like, on the Half Planet Press Etsy store, I sell digital instructions for Lego things that I've designed. Um, that keeps me going as well, because people are really keen on those. On Instagram, my alternate persona is called Grumble Bricks, and I'm I'm fairly I'm like a mini celebrity on the Lego Instagram, which happened almost overnight and is very strange. I'm still not used to it. <laughs> I only check up on it every few days, and it's like eight messages. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, I can't reply to everyone. It's a very weird thing. I wish I had more time for it. <laughs> but yeah, it's great. Like today, this morning, I went out in the snow, was taking pictures of them. Um, cause it's always good to take a picture of Lego in the snow. I think a lot of people, they, they've put too much emphasis on trying to grow up. And what they really mean is I'm going to become as boring as possible and then resent my life partner. <laughs> and like, and oh, so I just decided that. to be single and have a load of Lego and be happier than most people. <laughs> good man. Good man. <laughs> well, I was a good man, definitely. Right. Anyway, we'll let you then do the hard sell, mate. I've already got a ton of links of yours. I've been when I was researching, but where if people want to find out more about you, where do you recommend them most of all? I recommend the Paisley Print Arthur Substack page because that's where I talk the most crap. Some of which is good to read. I imagine people are enjoying it so far. And my Instagram Paisley Print Arthur and the Anchor FM, which might change its name, but it's presently called Paisley Print Arthur. I was thinking. Because a lot of people are telling me that I'm the brand. People were saying you should just call it Philip Carter's podcast or Philip Carter argues with strangers on the internet and you can listen to it. <laughs> oh, oh really? I, think I, I think that's a great idea for a title, podcast title. <laughs> <laughs> I really think you've got some of that one, mate. Philip Carter, Philip Carter argues, argues with this. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a great idea, that one. Yeah, like Joe Rogan, but just a bit more spicy. Just, just straight up start on people. So why are you on this podcast? Oh, like Have you deemed yourself worthy? Oh, that'd be like me doing a podcast <laughs> called Andy N Talk Shit With. And I've got... Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh brilliant, mate. What, what we'll do then, Philip, we'll conclude it part now, part one now. Let you get composed, mate. I'm going to read a few pieces out of this in the second half, but thank you for this first part, mate. It's been tremendous cool. fun. So Cheers. we'll see you in one a minute. Spock on Hi guys, still here with Philip. Well, interestingly enough, I didn't ask him before in the first part. He says Zoom handles Captain Carter. So before we go on to asking him about the review pieces out today, why Captain Carter? It was a nickname I got at uni. And at one point, some first years came up to me and I didn't know who they were. And they said, Are you Captain Carter of the Poetry Society? And I thought, Oh, I like that. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd never, I never knew who came up with the nickname. I was just presented with it. Um, so I, I decided, like, last year I'd bring it back because it sounds very sci-fi and it fits my vibe a lot. Yeah, I think it does. It's great out here, you, mate. So, definitely. You should, should even bring a book out called that or an album, Captain Carter. Oh, yeah. Definitely. definitely. Even that old Captain Carter argues with us about a poetry guy I'm giving you ideas there, don't you? You're, you're, I'm writing. I've just written that one down, yeah. Philip, yeah, yeah, Captain Carter <laughs> argues with, yeah, does. <laughs> anyway, right, listen, mate. Service now, the second half of the spoken label is always for the writer to read out a few pieces for us. So, okay, over to you, buddy. Okay, so, um, 
this book's out for pre-order on Amazon at the moment. It's called False Vacuum, and it's an unreasonably large collection of poetry. If you go by modern standards, it has 40 poems in it. This first one's called False Vacuum. It's the name of the, it's, you know, it's, so it's the title poem, though I wrote it about five years after starting the collection because I, I just, it just made sense at the time. Time drenched and weary. The new stone rolls downhill to violence, to crashing waves and moss tuck, mistook for something worth having, crystal coin thing, love, ever more nebulous. And uphill the silence, where blood drip, captured by fabric, is silenced, my arteries the barrel, the gunshots spitting of rain blood language into tartan sleeves and soil, some timeline tautology again and again. And it's always rolling. A dizziness brings a universe to its knees and it's always flowing in perpetuity into those same free tributaries and fates beyond faith. A body crumples halfway into water. So I'm neither here nor there. The spin uncertain, the arrow blurred. It's been collapsing all this time, folding, unfolding, sitting in ditches before being pushed on again, finding a new pocket to rest in before the prologue is rewritten. Oh, yeah, now I like, I like the reference to prologue at the beginning of it. So is that actually the first collection and that first poem in that collection ends it, even though it was wrote some time later? Yeah, that's the uh, one of the latest written poems, but the first one in the collection. I always wanted a title poem for it, but I, I never found one that I liked. I mean, I, there's some that I like more than that one, but they just didn't fit as the first one. That one yeah. does. No, I think it's excellent. It's an excellent choice. You can tell when you're doing it there, it does feel like it's a good introduction to a collection there. Oh, good stuff, man. Mm. Okay, on to number two. Okay, so, so this one's called Blood Cell, and it's the second poem in the collection. Because I didn't feel like scrolling very far before I read the next one. Some unassuming moat, that's how it starts. In the moat of rainwater, ancient steps become colonised by lichen. Sig packs and freshers' week flyers lie sodden as if some students exploded her. The jokes just write themselves. And I sat there only once to write a poem and lost it apart from a slim memory slipped between those two lines above, where drones would one day fly to film the place as if anyone ever sat there to do anything other than film the place. And a slimy line or two made their way further and I slipped into something more comfortable, like the greasy feel of blood before it dries. And I course through the courses with coarse suit, coarse jokes, of course, and caricature, carcass and canvas bags like a tourist, cracking jokes about terminal Taurus and bleeding my way through tube to tube to tube station, back to corridor to back to back with the more famous ghost of my future self, standing where the world was split from past to present, where spiralling half fossils scoffed upwards at cheap dress shoes, clip clopping like horses every July as we coagulated. Then to reconvene on younger feet each September, to survive half the night and fracture during a last-minute clotting of darkened bodies under thump-thumping mock ambulance strobe. And somewhere else it's all about to begin again and I'm still dancing on old momentum and somewhere else, someone else falls in love. Again, a very, very strong ending with that one there. Great stuff, mate, with that one. I love the end of that last line again. You know how good the end is of it? He said, and somewhere else, someone else falls in love. And it's, again, so it feels like world building again to me. It's like a bit, oh, fantastic one. Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of world building. And some my professor said to me at uni, you're a hybrid between a poet and a novelist. And I, I can't 
I can't fully, you know, I can't disagree with that because the the stories wind up being poetic and the poems wind up being like little stories. Um, it's probably because I I did work on both at the same time, typically. Yeah, I think it's it's, just, it's where you train your thoughts on how to do writing because it's you find there's I think there's very very few writers that can actually do poetry and do novels. You really tend to find either good at one or the other. You're yeah. obviously the hybrid. I think you can definitely probably do both. Definitely do both. Yeah, I've been advised to come up with a new pen name for poetry, and I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. It's dishonest. <laughs> oh no! Well, you should you should do what Amanda's like. Obviously, my wife, and she's just done sort of done a challenge called 12, 12 projects in twelve months, and yeah. she's covered about nine different genres in the little bit the bits and pieces she's bought out, and. I couldn't hope to keep up with that. And like, it's like you basically, like, yeah, you get told the advice. It's marketing that spec, but I'm always a believer. The brand should be all under the same umbrella if you can. Yeah, like it's, I am the brand. It's Philip Carter is the brand, as other people have told me, and I've had to just come to terms with that. Um, yeah, I think it can be quite creatively limiting as well. If you put yourself in a pen name for a certain project, then it doesn't it doesn't get informed by the other stuff as much there's not enough bleed there's not like as much bleed between the two projects kind of thing yeah no i agree it's also i think if you don't want two free pen say at least two different pen names where you name your own another name is you've got twice as much marketing i think sometimes to do yep i was briefly in competition with myself on instagram once <laughs> like, <laughs> oh not doing that again were, were yeah. you arguing with yourself on Instagram? Oh yeah, you? just sat in just sat in the shower, repeatedly punching myself in the side of the head. <laughs> <laughs> Stop taking my revenue! <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I'd love, love to see you do a radio interview with yourself, and you were trying to do it physically. <laughs> oh, that would <was> ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Bring him into it, Captain Carter argues with himself. <laughs> 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 right, listen, mate, we'll get you we'll get you do your third piece, mate, before we lose we live one drop of course completely. <laughs> okay, yeah. what's your next one, mate? This one's called Geodesic Free. And I'm reading this one because the other two are a bit more serious. Um I'm planning to read this at the BBC, who's got open submissions at the moment. They don't know I exist, but soon enough they will. So this is Geodesic Free. And what's that? A looming sense of dread you never hear about in the rom coms. A cartoonish moment in my head, the idea of rolling out of your bed and still rolling and not stopping, slowing, if only in ditches and false hopes and vacuums. And now the ghost of me appears beyond, behind my own living head as I eat breakfast, and he looks at you as my younger self stares idly at rapidly cooling beans on toast, and he tells you, it's meta-stable, this meta-narrative, and there's no time to explain, so listen, I could be your spineless particle, I could roll around unseen, I could be your geodesic, or I could cause a scene, there's a void in this circular table where longing hands can't go, this whole place is too heavy, no wonder everything was so slow, and at that precise moment, my younger self, future deaf and ignorant, will say, honey, could you pass the sauce? And my future ghost will vanish like edited foreshadowing or the lingering smoke at your front door, his style snuffed out before it starts, his return to rhyme only a fleeting embrace of nostalgia at a bus station, a dimly remembered fondness ten years hence, like a midlife crisis for someone with a very low life expectancy. And it's all over before it starts, the time traveller falls back home, the alien falls out of love. 
Ooh. I look forward to hearing the BBC's reaction to that one. Uh, no, it's the... one of my favourite ones. I, yeah, I, love it. I, like, I like it as well. I like I mean, it as well. It's basically like, what if you're about to break up with someone, but your future self comes back and goes, no, don't do it! You fool! What? <laughs> so, what? So, that, so what you can do is this can be your next podcast in. Captain Carter yeah, yeah. goes back in time to argue with himself. <laughs> yeah, it's two or three of me just stuffed in the same room having a very increasingly confusing argument. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, Let's move on. Okay, right. We're on to your big finale, Muddy. Now, so what's your fourth and last piece score, mate? I have not yet decided because I don't uh-uh. know me. You know me, I like improv. I'm not going to make this one up on the spot, but I am going to decide which one. So I'm just scroll. I've got a document with all of the poems and it's like 270 pages. Which one's good? Oh, so I'm going to try to avoid swearing, but I'm in the funny poetry collection now, so that's going to be quite difficult. Here's one. Universal slam poem. And this is a slam poem for everybody that I dislike that's been written specifically tailored so that I could read it to all of them without having to put much energy into making a diss track for each of them specifically. That's why it exists. And it's called Universal Slam Poem. Like a TV psychic, you remind me of death. Like a weirdo on the bus, you have me holding my breath. Like a hero's sidekick, there's no use for you. Apart from dressing like an idiot and dying in part two. Like a Doctor Who Dalek, your appeal is debated, but I cannot wait to see you exterminated. Like a game show host, your face hurts my eyes and I'll take your death as a consolation prize. Like a full moon, you are cold and distant. Like a dripping tap, you're meek and persistent. Like a crap pound shop toy, you are always unbroken. And all of your poems really are best unspoken. Like a bad night out, you're filled with regret, but no amount of cider can make me forget the kind of face that makes me itch. The scraping voice that makes me twitch. The kind of crap you cannot flush. The kind of fox that joins the hunt. To put it lightly, I'd call you Frush. You utter debilitating, irritating beep sound effect. <laughs> I like it, yeah. I think sometimes, yeah, definitely that one there. It's basically, um, it's a good, you don't necessarily always need to use a swear word at the end of it. They're doing what you did there, it's just, just effective. Oh, tremendous, mate. It's there in print. It's there in print. So if anybody wants to read that four-letter word... <laughs> yeah. I think people... on Amazon for pre-order. <laughs> I think people can probably guess what the last four-letter four word actually, is. I think, actually, you know, if I, if I had the capacity for it, I'd make the last word on the next page and I'd have the book like a pop-up. So you'd open the book, it'd just jump at your face. Either that or you see it automatically comes out as an audio word. It screams that out audio to you like, like a microphone on the back of the book. Just put a QR code in the book and when you scan it, it's just me screaming. Yeah, various unprintable words in spoken life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Philip, thank you today, mate. It's been an absolute superb pleasure, mate. I knew we'd have a good laugh today and I hope everybody else enjoyed it, mate. So thank you yeah, again, okay. mate. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Thanks for having me on. Uh, hang around as always, mate. So I do need to speak to you off mic to clarify a couple of some pieces before we wrap up for tonight. But okay. as always, guys and girls, particularly if you you got snow when this gets released, stay safe and stay over. And we'll see you all next time. Spoken, mate.